Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. <laughs> oh man, oh man. Things really uh, took a, a, a turn towards dumpster fire last week, eh? Uh, or I say last week, the past, what, four days, three days? Things have really taken a turn, and uh, it's 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 amazing. Guys, first of all and foremost, welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. I'm your humble host, Brian Nichols here, and uh, we're, we're just going to start off today. We're, we're going to have an important conversation with two very important gentlemen named uh, Carr and Berg from the amazing Friends Against Government podcast, but I had those two gents in my show today to discuss what the heck is going on. We got the coronavirus officially here in the United States, and it seems like uh, it's, it's you know, apocalyptic time. That, that's how everybody's reacting, at least. Um, you know, people going to the stores, buying bulk supplies en masse, and, and, you know, it's it's been wild and crazy. I just went to Target. I just got home from the gym, went to Target, and, like, a line of people, like, into, like, the, the cosmetic section. And I'm just like, what is what is going on? Now, granted, um, between when I had this episode with Bird and Carr, a lot happened. And the, that being Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson were diagnosed with the coronavirus. Uh, the NBA has officially suspended its season, as has the NHL, um, as has the uh, Major League Soccer. Uh, the NCAA has canceled, as of this recording, um, all their uh, their March Madness and uh, a bunch of uh, big, like the Big Ten, um, you know, the, uh, the, what, the something East. What the hell is it? Big Ten and something East. I don't know. I... Syracuse, go Syracuse basketball. Um, but they canceled all their tournaments. Uh, and it's it just seems kind of like this is big, right? Um, so with that being said, I want to have Karin Bird in the show today because it's funny they already planned to come on the show. Um, but then <laughs> topics just kind of wrote itself. So digging into the coronavirus, kind of discussing where it came from, what's kind of going on and, and explaining a little bit of maybe why the government's acting in the way that it is, um, but also kind of where do we see this going. Um, after that, we also end up discussing uh, what was, uh, up until the coronavirus, the talk of the town, the Democratic primary, um, looking at that of uh, Bernie Sanders versus Joseph Biden, the former vice president whose campaign seemingly had a, uh, a jump start. It's like one of those AED devices and just boom! He's back um, because you just can't let a dementia Joe just, you know, go away. Um, so Joe Biden's back. Uh, Bernie Sanders, it, it seems to no longer be um, such an inevitable force as it was believed to him to be. Um, so we discuss Biden's rise and Bernie's fall, but also what are the Democrats going to do? Who are they going to nominate to be that uh, that very important uh, vice president uh, candidate for the Democrats going forward? So without spoiling too much of the show, on to the show, Karen Bird from Friends Against Government here on The Brian Nichols Show. How hey, thanks so much for having us on here. Well, it's good because folks can finally uh, put, a, I guess, a voice to the voice or at least a, some personalities to the voice because I now I apologize before we started recording for being able to use your your likenesses. And by likenesses, I mean literally your voices for uh, my new intro um, where it was my appearance on on your amazing show, Friends Against Government um, podcast, Fagcast. So let's start off here, gents. Um, now, I'm sure for a libertarian audience, they know who you are. But there's a lot of folks in my my audience who are not libertarian or maybe just outside of our our libertarian, you know, chat rooms and such. So let's start off here and I'll do jump ball between the two of you. Um, what is Friends Against Government? Why'd you start this podcast? And, and really, what do you guys focus on? 
car, you, you go first. I'll let that bubble. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, well, we started as kind of like a, well, okay, here, here's, here we, what we wanted to do. Is we wanted to bring second a place. What? What? This is why I wanted to go second. <laughs> so that I could just like stumble over myself and then, and then you come in and like clean up the pieces. Of course. Uh, okay. So here's, I'm going to give it another shot. We noticed that there wasn't a, a there wasn't too many or uh, enough um, lighthearted content, libertarian content out there. So we decided to kind of bring a little bit more of an informal podcast that wasn't necessarily as focused on uh, libertarian issues per se, but we do touch on them. And we are both, I would say that we both are libertarians um, of, of some stripe or another. Um, and, uh, and so that, that, that was, that was kind of what it, what it was. I don't know, Bird, what, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to say pretty much that is we, we saw lines of Liberty and we were like, there's no one else who does that other than lines of Liberty. And so we were like, well, <laughs> let's just be, uh, let's do the Dennis method and we'll pick up seconds and we'll do the lines of Liberty thing. And we admit it. And Mark, Mark grills me over, uh, it, this to this day. Uh, but, uh, yeah, basically that's what we did. There was a niche in the market. We covered it. And, uh, uh, really nobody talks about Bigfoot like we do. So mm-hmm. we are bringing some unique things to the table. I think <laughs> we bill ourselves as the second best, uh, cryptid libertarian crossover podcast. That's, that's correct. Yeah, of the world. That's correct. And, uh, and I'll tell you number one on that list did not have a, an official LaCroix sponsorship like we had. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm more of the, uh, the, the bubbly. Um, which is the new version of the sparkling water. Have you seen the commercial with Michael Buble? Oh, I have not. No. That no? sounds just terrible. That sounds like a terrible combination of things. Well, let me tell you what, though. I'll say the product, actually, the, the actual drink tastes better than LaCroix. And I was actually reading an awesome article. And, of course, now that we're talking about this, I can't remember where the hell it was from. But it was talking about how LaCroix really is like emblematic of a a situation where you had a monopoly in a marketplace and then like they they were like oh well we can either a sacrifice some product or b jack up the price they did both and then in in response the market resoundingly responded and i mean now you can't find you know anything but alternatives to Lacroix. actually i i I see a lot of places where there's less Lacroix options than there is alternatives i don't know why we got into this tangent about sparkling water but hey you know if we can take Lacroix and use it as an example to show that our you know our our ideas work i mean look no further than the alternatives that is enjoying a nice uh fresh glass of buble or bubbly Oh boy, that yeah. I guess you're not getting a Lacroix sponsorship. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I lost that yeah, long buddy. time ago. We not are monopolists. We we yeah, we but... like to see one player in the sparkling water game, and and that's Lacroix. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so that's a good starting off point here for the Brian Nichols show. And obviously, it shows um you know why I'm such a big fan of you guys, and it's because you bring like you'd mentioned beforehand. It's it's a different approach to politics and i think honestly it's it's an approach that is severely lacking and that is just this lightheartedness and everybody takes politics so seriously and i i said to you guys after the show when i was on on your episode uh that it was a a breath of fresh air because i'm so used to having these interviews with stuffy people um or at the very least people who are in quite high positions of power where they're maybe not at the same liberties as we are to have fun so with that being said, what's been the response from your audience? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming based on, you know, the, the success you've been having so far that you have, a, a you know, a very interactive audience. And I'm guessing that they're enjoying the stuff you're doing as well. We've been growing like I, we hit a, a point at which we were growing so rapidly. It was like we, it was out of control. I think we just started releasing like so much bonus content that uh, just to kind of fan the flames. So I guess people really love it. I uh, 
I, I, I think, um, I don't know. We've never really got, we got, so we have our email, right? And I, I car, I don't know how often you go through that. <laughs> uh, I don't think I have a login, frankly. Yeah. Then good. <laughs> so I've a uh, pretty, pretty, pretty big minefield in there. <laughs> it's, it's something else, man. It's something else getting, I think we were talking about this on the episode we just released with, uh, uh, a Pete Raymond, a Pete Quinones, as probably your larger audience knows him as. Uh, we were just talking about like how sometimes your audience they'll send like these ridiculously long emails about their whole life story, and they're like, they they some people like send in like investment advice to us. Like uh, it, it's a real community going on, uh, like in in this private little sector here. Uh, somebody was the other day just decided to send in an email about, Hey guys, love the show. Here's some coronavirus prep information. Uh, like, you know, like telling us about how to survive in case it like comes. Oh, well you live in New York. So make sure that when you're don't go to the subway, it was like really nice. That's <laughs> like, thanks a lot for putting this together for your, for just two people on the internet that you listen to. I really appreciate it. So I guess they really like it. I hope. So, so I, I empathize because I've, I, I get the same thing, right? So you'll get a random person that you've never talked to. And, and actually, you know, it's funny. I was talking about this with Chris Fangle and we were saying how like, you'll have people who will meet you in person. And, and I actually, the first time I really, really experienced this in real life was back in April, I think of last year where we had Yalcon here in Philadelphia. And I was representing the America's Future Foundation. I'm the chapter leader here in Philadelphia um, for the, for the conference. But I, I ended up doing a talk and I had a table there as well. And um, I had like, I think three or four people come up to me and they're like, Brian, I'm like, right, hi, yeah. like, hi, do yeah. I know you? And, and, and they know so much about me because they listen to the show and, and you know, they're, they're asking me about my cat and they're asking me about, you know, God knows what they're asking me about, you know, going to the gym. And I'm just like, I honestly, I, and I, I'm terrible with names and I'm like, I don't know your name, but like, you know, literally everything about me. And not only that, but you considered me to be like a friend already. And it's just, it's so I don't know, it's, it's a strange feeling because now you're you're trying to play catch up in a relationship that you you essentially been having with a person for the past you know how many episodes they've been right. listening to you right. and I'm it's, just, yeah right. it's hard. I'm trying to I'm trying to envision the the, the questions that people are going to come up and ask us like uh, yeah. if, we, if we see people down in Chilberberg and like the, like 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 about that rash that I that I mentioned that one time on that one episode or like the volleyball yeah. standings or or the AIDS virus being created right. in a bioweapons <laughs> laboratory in Canada. A Canadian bioweapons, like, yeah, get that right. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm still working right. on it. I was trying to deliver it, like, clean. Yeah, but yeah. I, yeah, I've actually practiced it in the mirror a number of times. Really? All right, if I may. Yeah, that one time that uh, Ronald Reagan created the AIDS virus in a Canadian bioweapons facility in the year 1981. I have it down. <laughs> I have the whole I have the whole thing down. So, yeah, I, that's, so speaking of that, I, that's basically what I would like that to happen at Childerberg is for just people to approach us and go, hey, man, so that thing about Reagan creating AIDS in that Canadian bioweapons facility in 1981, that's crazy, isn't it? Like, I, that's the kind of interaction with the fan base that I hope to have. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, on that happy note, in, ta- in terms of uh, talking about man-made viruses, coronavirus, that's a joke. <laughs> so, you know, Very it's, nice. Wait, wait, hold Very on. Nice. Brian, hold on. Because, Brian, I know that, like, we tug on the we tug on the chain of lunacy a lot more than you do. Are you, What do you believe about the 
origin of the virus, if anything, because I, I don't know your your take on it. Well, well, you know, what's actually funny is that the reason I, I actually said that was because I was listening to a podcast the other day um, and it's uh, from the Dallas. I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan, so I listen to a lot of their podcasts and Nate Newton, who is three times world champions for the Cowboys in the 90s. He was an offensive lineman and he now is, is a member of their, their media team. And he I'm, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. He starts the show. And it's it's all strictly focused on you know the new the the, the theme of the day was supposed to be about the new Cowboys um, coaching staff and like how they're going to acclimate the players. He starts off the first ten seconds of the show the the, the coronavirus is a, is a man made virus from China to wipe out the the, the Chinese people and to like create a, a national oh. pandemic. And it just kind of caught me off guard because honestly, the first time I'd actually thought of that theory was listening to Nate Newton talk about it on a Dallas Cowboys podcast. Now, as for me, I honestly I I, I don't think it's man made. Um. Now, there are parts of the the story of where it came from that definitely raised some eyebrows. Like it's made in, it was, it was, let me, let me rephrase that. It was first transmitted or it believed to have been transmitted in the Wuhan area where China has, you know, they've opened. I guess is it openly acknowledged, or at the very least, begrudgingly acknowledged that they have um, bioweapons that uh, bioweapon bio facility that was in that province. Um, so, is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? I'm I'm leaning towards no. So are we getting it. into this? We're out. Are we okay? <laughs> so that's it's where we're going to start. So let's okay. start there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, there was something that I and I was I wanted to search it up so that I could cite it properly. Um, but there was something I don't know how, what I feel about it. Just to say, and Car, I don't know what do you how do you feel about it? Well, I guess in short, if it was man made and it was in a bioweapons facility, I I'm skeptical that they would create a flu. So like. So that leaves two options open to me in, to me when kind of applying game theory. One is that it's not man-made because why, like, why would you just make a flu? Like, that's kind of dumb. You can make a lot like more badass things. Um, but then two, is it the flu up front and then latent effects later? Yeah. And so that's kind of where I'm at. Right. The, 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 okay. So I did manage to find it. This is from sciencemag.org. Um, data shows that uh, 13 of the total uh, 13 of the total 41 first hospitalized patients who had confirmed infections for the virus were not traceable to the uh, first patient. Um, hmm. So that was I heard that and I was like, okay, so there's something strange about this. I don't know if it's man-made or not, but I, I have a strong feeling that it didn't come from that seafood market. Um, right. And the I think the number one the fact that it came from well the fact that it's in the same city as this level 4 bioweapons lab is is one interesting thing but the fact that the patent for the specific coronavirus that is you know that was found in wuhan was patented by uh i forget the name of the it's a major pharmaceutical corporation has a patent over it and it was uh, patented in uh it was patented and it was used in a canadian uh, uh laboratory so it, it this it's it does and that's real i think the, the the joke about the aids virus thing comes a lot later but no that's that's actually real uh as far as i have seen so far so i don't know i don't know what it is where it's from i know pharmaceutical companies patent viruses all the time but the idea that this thing came from a seafood market is just not true and the fact that that was spread out so quickly. I don't know if you saw, Brian, did you see that? That was a really good little, I don't know what you would call it, but it was a really good little speech by uh, Dr. Drew 
Uh, no, I don't know I if you saw this. No. Okay, so Dr. Drew basically comes out. I wish I could play it, but Dr. Drew basically um, comes out and he, get, he tells everybody, you know, this is a virus. We need to take this seriously, but the media is responsible for a lot of the, the, pan, uh, the pandemonium about this virus. They shouldn't be reporting on things like this. So, like, all that to say, this virus said, being it being said that it sent from the seafood market wasn't true. The media reported it as if it was true, and that is why a lot of people call it the Wuhan virus. First of all, right? So they they already attribute it to this one area where it's not necessarily from. It just showed up in first. They, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of mm. bad info about it. I'm sure you've encountered this too. Well, I was gonna say one of the things that I've I've kind of come to my own conclusion in terms of just like watching how it's reported is look at who's reporting it. And I, I look at the people in the media and, and I'll just, mm. you know, well, let's, let's just look specifically at the corporate media that this is the same corporate media who propagated the, the Russian, you know, the Russian hoax, the, they, they, you know, went incredibly into the, the impeachment, you know, with, with their full force trying to, to change the, the tides. And, mm-hmm. you know, just think, I mean, the, the, the Covington kids, you, you can go down the list of all these, you know, instances of media mal- malpractice in the past, just let's even say the past f- four years, right, under the, the Trump administration. But, I mean, we all know it's been going on far longer than that. But that l- then leads me to say, okay, let's look at the reporting now. And what's what's the the angle? Why what why are they promoting in a way? What's their narrative? And is it, me- you know, done in, in a way that's meant to be political? And then that leads to, I think, uh, an even bigger problem. And that is, there's a lot of Americans out there who are doing the exact same thing I am because they look at what's happened and they they are rightfully skeptical. So now they're right. being told by the same media who've been to, you know telling them you know Trump colluded with Russia, Trump's the worst thing ever. Um, you know, like I said, the Covington kids, you, you, you know, Jesse Smollett's not in, uh, you know a bad person until he. Oh wait, yeah, he actually is. And then <laughs> then it's turning into a situation where I think we almost have a, a boy who cried wolf because. Let's just say, and let's let's go into like real hypothetical world. Let's say this is as bad as it's been made out to be. And I listened to the Joe Rogan episode where he had the epidemiologist on um, this past week, and you know, oh, definitely, yes. it definitely yeah. made my, my my skin and the hair on my back and neck stand up a little bit. But like, what did he have to say? It, well, he, he he was basically saying that it's it's not the end of the world. It, what was his exact phrase? It's not a snowstorm, or it's not a Corona snowstorm. It's a Corona winter, and that we have to treat it as such. Um, but it's it is going to be bad, but not being hyped up to the manner basically that it is. Um, but still, it was a really good episode. That was a really good episode, by the way. It was phenomenal, and and I think yeah. honestly that was probably the most transparent and and just the most level headed I've heard a conversation take place about what's happening um, anywhere because of the fact that it has been so politicized in the media. Um, so I'm, I'm genuinely scared that we're going to have a situation where a large, you know, the, uh, part of the, the, the populace in America, especially are not going to heed any warnings because they're under the, the belief that this is just being fabricated as a hoax by the media to just, des- you know, to destroy the GOP or to hurt Trump. And if it is as bad as it actually is being said to be, to be, then we could end up with a lot of people ending up, you know, dead because the fact that it can be so deadly, especially to those people who, you know, number one are, are older, elderly, um, but also have those pre-existing conditions or weakened immune systems. So jump ball perspective. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to continue. I, I have already determined my course and that is to just not care. And, and I'm not a person that diverts course. I made that decision like a month ago. And so I, it's now, just, let me you ask know. you this because I'm, I'm genuinely curious. What was it that made you say like, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to get invested in this. 
you know, it probably has a lot to do with the things that you were saying where I just like, I don't really take much. I, I take the media with a grain of salt and I just like say, you know what? I'm just going to go continue to live my life. And if I die, I die. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Interesting. How about you, uh, Bird? I know I, I make it a, a patented thing to never care about like this. Sorry. I I will tell you why. The the media, the group chats, the timeline, the news, it's all over the place. It's everywhere. It, you can't escape. It's in real life. Everybody at my job, everybody was given their own hand sanitizer. Oh my God. Um, people come in asking for it. Like it, it's a constant, constant subject of conversation. And I make it a point to stop caring about whatever is the overhyped discourse of the moment. Like I already know to wash my hands beyond that. What, what, what can I do? You know, what am I going to do? So, like, it would be good to know when it actually arrives in my, you know, in where I'm at. But, like, other than that, I don't, I can't, I can't even pretend like I really care. I don't know. I It, it is what it is. It's just a virus. Like I said, I think I said before you started recording, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'll be fine. <laughs> you know? Right. This isn't something I need to be concerned about. This is something that, like, uh, uh, with people with weakened immune systems and the elderly and children need to be more concerned about. And so like when we're talking, when we have to talk about like how to deal with that problem, that's cool. But like, Oh, it's arrived in this country. It's like, what am I? I don't, it's just depressing. You know, what am I going to do about it? And, and you actually, you know, Bert, I think you hit something right there. Like you hit the nail on the head because I think there's a lot of people who they are just like you are. They're, they're burnt out. They're, they're exhausted. It's, I mean, let's, let's be real since 2015, it has been, non-stop we've been at volume 11 for four years it's ridiculous and brian i'm i'm here for it i'm here for it i was here for i mean like i i was the last time that i was really like living the whole whirlwind of a timeline that we live in was probably during the uh impeachment inquiry where I was like, I was really into the, the you, theater. You were. You, I, I listened to all your episodes for that so too. Good. You were so into it. You had all the information down too because you watched like hours and hours of just yeah, C-SPAN. I, into that, which was- I, I think I watched nine hours of it because that's the kind of thing that I can I can really get down for is the the non-process uh, uh, politics. Like, like when you actually have to go into the impeachment part of it, it's like, yeah, they have a process they need to follow and it's boring and it's, you know, but when they're just doing it for the, for the TV, oh, it's perfect. It's great. So I like, I care about like stuff like that because it happens to be on people's lips. You know, everybody watches the debates and the impeachment inquiry. A lot of people are watching it. Um, so I like that stuff, but like big, terrible plague, you know, it's it's depressing, right? I I I mean, on a constant basis, it just gets to the point where it's too much. I mean, two just months ago, much. we were going to war with Iran. It was World War Three. That was two months ago, and that I was part- more there for that, though. I see. I was <laughs> see. I live in in those kind of moments. I'm there for that. It's just like when, like you know, uh, play an uh, a rampant act of God threatens to destroy us all it's like well then i guess i can't do much about that right well, so my, was, my that giant, was that the scientist's last name bird god <laughs> <laughs> no that would be reagan yeah. <laughs> that was the alley-oop 
<laughs> the old fat cast, all you. I know this. You know what's interesting is I'm sure Brian. There's a lot of conservatives who are listening to your episode who are listening to this. Like, what? What's <laughs> Reagan? What did he do? <laughs> yeah. I, I had Michael Johns on my show who was like, he was one of five original founding members of the Tea Party. So, you know, that wow. that's that's definitely a demographic of my audience. So you're definitely speaking to their hearts right now. They hear Reagan and they, you know, they they instantly, their, their antenna go Reagan. Yeah, they're, they're like, like oh, Reagan, as long as he doesn't bring anything up about him creating the AIDS virus in 1981 in a Canadian bioweapons facility, I'm good. Oh, damn it. There it was. Now that was good delivery. Was pretty good. <laughs> I put, see, I put, I put the years that was before, really uh, good. <laughs> thought that was pretty good. So what's great that is was really so good. what's what's really great is the the behind the scenes that before this you were like if if we get off if we get off track you're gonna have to reel us back in and we just went from coronavirus to like Reagan out in the in Canada like trying to go after gay people it's been wild right already and we've only been going for like twenty minutes. Oh, you don't even want you don't even want to hear about the uh, the latter half of that statement. <laughs> So oh, moving, moving along. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's kind of as we wrap up the coronavirus discussion here. I, I'm curious because we're recording and, you know, just with the way things have been progressing. I mean, so quickly, it seems like in America, especially, you know, we're recording here on on March 11th, Wednesday. And right now it seems like we're we're at a point where we're just around. I think it's a thousand deaths or so in America. But where do you guys see us, you know, as we air here on Friday? Um, but also, where do you see us maybe a week, two weeks, or as we get towards election season? Is this going to taper off? Or or do you think that there's a chance for it to uh, to actually get, you know, significantly worse, exponentially worse, and uh, and actually realize everybody's worst fears? I do just want to say, I Brian, I think you... You said, I think I heard you say a thousand deaths in the United States, which if that is what you said, then that made me like I heard that and I went, Jesus, and maybe it's worse than I thought. No, no, I think, isn't it 680 confirmed cases in the U.S.? No, it's more than a thousand confirmed cases, but only 38 deaths. Maybe, okay, you know what I'm thinking? I think I'm thinking of, um, I was just reading, oh, you know what it was? I was at the gym and I was looking at Twitter when I was um, finishing out cardio and I was reading about Italy. Italy just doubled their deaths and they're oh, just yeah. approaching a thousand. So that's what oh, I was thinking. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but, but even yeah. still, I mean, I think it was Seattle. They, they have the highest confirmed deaths, I think it is, at 22. I know most of them are from a nursing home, but I'm just I was curious. Say, so yeah. What we know worldwide there's been 120,000 confirmed cases and 4,300 people have died worldwide. Um, yeah, which is like three and a half percent mortality or morbidity or whatever the technical term which is. Which would technically put it worse than the Spanish flu. Like, like just it, what we know right now. Well, it, 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 it mm, I mean, it would. In terms of a percentage? Yeah, yeah it, from, it, from the it, sample it, size yeah. that we have right now, which obviously is still, it, we're in the infancy stages, but based on what we've seen or objectively seen so far, and that's, of course, what little we, we really do know from China, that seems to be where it would range in that 3.5%. And if that's the case, that mortality rate, then that would be higher than that of what they have for the Spanish flu, which I believe was 2 point something, 3 something. It was in that range. Yeah, it and the regular flu is like just around or less than one percent or something like that. Yeah. I, 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 the thing with this virus, at least that I know, is that it it has a very high spread rate, um, much higher than than um, like SARS. Which I mean, base this is just this is basically SARS. The virus is basically right. SARS. Um, it's it, the last SARS epidemic in two thousand and three. I mean, is what most of them are going off by. Um, so it, I think it has triple the spread rate. 
of SARS, but it's it's much less lethal than SARS. And I think most of the pe- most of the deaths that are coming from it are from the elderly. I mean, a lot of the countries that have been hit the hardest by this are countries that have a lot of elderly people. Italy is, has an incredibly high elderly population. Um, I, I don't know where, I don't know the age demographics of most of the confirmed cases, but, um, I, 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 what I, that's all that I've heard so far is that it's really old people and the immunosuppressed are the people who need to be very careful with this. And, and uh, we, I, I, enough, the, the, the kids, the kids are being completely absolved from this. It seems like it, like there's yeah. something about this flu, unlike traditional flu that completely overlooks children. It's like the opposite yeah. of Joe Biden. It's like on Joe Biden's <laughs> Man, life. what a segue, because that's exactly where like we were that? going next. That was phenomenal. Everybody like that? That was that was good. Well, speaking of Joe Biden, Joe Biden appears, gents, to be the uh, the front runner now for the Democrats. And uh, with the election here this past Tuesday, um, it, it appears that it's all but inevitable. Bernie Sanders is is on his way down. Um, it looks like the DNC is coalesced around Joe Biden and. And it looks, the inevitability is, it's written in stone. Joe Biden's going to be the Democratic nominee. So we officially have two geriatric men fighting now to be president of the United States. So with that being said, how did we get here when we started out with one of quite literally in, in you know, <laughs> quite literally and I don't want to say figuratively because maybe figuratively with Cory Booker, but the most diverse field in, in, you know, Democratic politics history that, now we end up with right what we had, you know, when we thought we would look at the the election and think what we were going to see, and you know, Joe Biden or you know, name X white guy here versus another white guy. So how do we get here, guys? Did we did 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 Bernie make his speech in Vermont yet? Do we know that? Did that happen live? I because that was I think he supposed said to be very important. Going. He's going to keep going. Okay, I, okay, I, well, I believe that's what I heard at, at cool. the latest. I'm, oh I'm, I'm just saying maybe we look to the future real quick before we look back. All I'm saying isn't Tulsi still in this technically? Technically, yes. yeah, but she's been she's been basically barred from the debate stage. So they changed yeah, they, last yeah. minute her yeah. the so, rules. I understand that, but you've got two really old, probably not that healthy white men. One of them just had a heart attack, who are shaking hands with everybody in this mother loving country and in every conference and in every state. Whoa, and I see where you're going. Dude, I mean, I don't root for death. I'm not that type of person. Like, I, 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 I but I mean, or even just serious illness, like, that could be a real curveball. I mean, I think I was, what was I reading or listening? Oh, yeah, I was listening to Stapleton today, and he was, he was talking about something he had heard, and it was basically saying that if, Trump could run for re-election in 2024, which he couldn't, but if he did, well, he's going to be a dictator, so we'll see. But he would still be younger right. than uh, than Biden or Bernie, which is just wild to think about, that Trump is relatively that much younger to Biden, who, Bi- I mean, let's be real, and, you know, Bird, let me hear about your thoughts on this. I think Biden's starting to kind of look, dare I say, senile? Like, something, oh, yeah. like, all all the, the cylinders aren't aren't firing. We- Brian, we have we actually had a listener who is, and I don't I, I don't want to butcher this, but I I will because I don't know the difference. But he's either a psychiatrist or a psychologist or whatever the appropriate thing is, mm-hmm. and he he reached out to us because we were kind of like talking about like this was probably four or five months ago. When was this bird? Like probably in November. Yeah, and uh, and he was like, yeah, I I mean I can't diagnose him. I'm not his doctor, but like in terms of my expertise or my experience, like I would he he's definitely got mental issues like so whether it's whether it's uh, age related senility or or dementia or whatever. There's a, a tremendous number of people in my real life and online who have told me 
Joe Biden looks like their grandfather right as he was developing dementia. And like, that's a lot of them seem to equate it to like dementia. I know we don't know if that's what it is, but like, I see it, you know, yeah. he could, because Joe Biden has always had oh, an odd manner of speaking. We, we were, I mean, you can all remember the Obama administration. He was always a strange, the way he spoke was strange, but something about just, he, he seems to get lost, you know, yeah. he seems mm-hmm. to, it's like a, almost like a feeling of lostness when sometimes you look in his eyes and he's not a hundred percent sure. What's he's not going there. On? Like he's, he's not there 100%. And he would never admit that. You know what I mean? He would never admit that. I just, I get, I don't understand. I, I What we need to be paying attention to here is the vi- whoever Joe picks as the vice president yes. is going to be very, very interesting. Because, in, in look, they tried, what is it? Uh, which amendment is, is it, Brian? You know which one I'm about to. I believe. So that, that amendment, which I think, number one, it sets into place the, 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 succession right and then secondarily it, it allows for the removal of the president i think that's what it does it allows for the removal of the president yeah, it, it, um, it's by the vote of the uh, the cabinet as well as the uh, the vice president yeah. and such so not that i'm saying joe biden would be removed but they tried to remove trump and we know 25th. for a fact 25th amendment by the 25th way. 25th amendment okay and we know for a fact that at least at the way that things are going so far, even if a Democrat was elected uh, 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 to the presidency, we know for a fact that the that Congress is going red again. I mean, I mean, we it's polls are saying Congress is going red again. The House specifically is staying red. I, it, so I I don't I don't really know what the implications of all that are. But whoever that vice president is going to be is going to be who the Democrats I think. It, it may be one of the first vice president picks that the, that the DNC chooses, which will really matter to the yes, DNC. That's so true. Um, I, it, yeah, and you know, I have actually heard that theory floated, and I heard a very interesting name as a as a, a choice to be that vice president. And it's not the the people you think. It's not the Elizabeth Warren. It's not it's not Amy Klobuchar or or Cory Booker. Heck, it's not even the the celebrities that you think of out there, like you know, an Oprah. But no, what I've heard is a Michelle Obama, Michelle Obama as right. Biden's vice president. It would basically sure up the fact that, OK, there's somebody behind him who is competent, number one. But number two, who already knows him and has basically worked with him in some official capacity with her husband being the president uh, with vice uh, with Biden being the vice president. But number two is that in the the, the chance and I would dare say higher chance that something were to happen to Biden where he was unable to continue his role in office, or let's just say he decides to not run in 2024. If, if he does in fact win this election season, then they would have a, a seamless transition. You know, he, he saved the country from Trump. He set things back into the sense of normalcy and, you know, back to the good old, you know, mentality of what things were, were going on with Obama. And now who can carry forward Obama's uh, legacy? None other than his wife. And like, I mean, if that's not a a script written in heaven for yeah. a movie producer, I don't know what else would yeah. be. But I, I guess I'm I'm gonna call it right now. She would be the 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 you know the complete behind the scenes candidate that nobody's thinking about. But honestly, would make absolute sense as a choice. For that. That's horrifying <laughs> to me. It's horrifying to me to think that. The, to think that it, a woman could be president. Yeah. That yes. Hey. Yes. Precisely. <laughs> what about Tulsi guys? I, Come on. It, 
I really, the thing that's troubling to me is I know that this, it's part of the political process. It's always been part of the political process, but the thing that's been, that's really troubling to me is in the most obvious way possible, at least since I've been alive, you have an entire party coalescing around a candidate that they are not sure is mentally fit to be able to hold office. And therefore they will be choosing their preferred candidate through the vice president. That's, bad it's wild it's bad because you know that that's they're not stupid they look at joe biden and they go he's he's mentally he's falling apart physically he's not in such great shape either and 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 they will be going so then we must prefer the vice president they don't probably don't normally think about that like like when joe biden became the vice president i don't know how much the dnc was going well look obama's got this in the bag he's a young guy at least in some sense the people were able to choose obama in some sense even though it's really could be a lot better in this case if joe biden is elected and then becomes unfit to run you have an unelected official because nobody votes for the vice president i'm sorry nobody votes for the vice president you have a, a, a functionally unelected official in the highest single office in the state. What if it's a crazy Biden, thought. What if Joe Biden's dementia gets the better of him and it backfires and he picks Tulsi Gabbard as his vice president? <laughs> now that would Gabbard be... Becomes, but, <laughs> everybody, everybody's, look, everybody's going to, with, to Joe and he's like, no, you don't want to pick her. You know, no, she's great. She's great, she's Jack. Great. I tell you. She's fantastic. <laughs> Then, I, I'm yeah. just imagining him confusing her with somebody else. He's like, yeah, you know, I like that, uh, that, uh, what's her name? And he's like thinking of like Kamala Harris. He's like, I like that, uh, yeah, uh, Tulsi. She's the, the, be- I'm going to pick her. And it's like, no, 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 Joe, wrong one. He's like, ah, Tulsi, give her a call. And then inevitably Tulsi Gabbard is vice president. Is that, is this how it's going to happen? Hey, Dude. that might be the way in. Okay, let, me, let me ask you this. That, then uh, then that presents like a real, like I know a lot of our audience and whatever aren't terribly interested in politics or voting or anything like that. But like, would you prefer a Biden-Tulsi uh, ticket versus Trump uh, and Pence where yes. potentially you could come away with a Tulsi-Gabbard presidency? Yes. Yes. Wow. I, think, I think you, I think, um, hey, I, I guess uh, conservatives and Republican listeners, you have one preference. But like, as far as like, the circle that our podcast comes from that I, I can almost speak for a whole podcast that that would probably be preferable. Yes. It's fa- That's, which is, man, I'm, I'm curious though, because I mean, what, I'm okay. Think about it this way, Brian, can I think about it this way? Out of the four of the people presented to you, Mike Pence, Donald Trump, Tulsi Gabbard, Joe Biden, which one of them is the best president? I, hmm. See, now here's the thing. Tulsi Gabbard, I think is his, she is the best on the most important issue. She is the best on the war issue. If you had to vote for one of them, you would choose her, right? On the war issue? Absolutely. But when I look at what... Now, now here's the part. I, I, like, I like Ben Shapiro's approach. Good Trump, bad Trump. There is objectively good Trump. And it's important to recognize that. I mean, good Trump. Yes, he did cut the taxes. I know it was not done with um, you know, a cut in spending, but I'll, I'll take a win where I can get a win. Neil Gorsuch has easily been one of, if not the best Supreme Court justices in, in what, the past 50 years, if not more. Um, I would dare say that Trump helping get rid of the Obamacare mandate has been one of the most important things that he has done. Um, I I think there's a lot of negative that is is with Trump as well, but that's not to say that we cannot look up. And, I, and again, I'm, I'm coming as a never Trump Republican back from 2015, 2016, and I'm looking at Trump and I, I'm kind of having to like bite my tongue because there's a lot of things that I said I cannot trust him on because of his his past views. And he's he's definitely proven me wrong 
in some very important areas to me. Now, where he has not um, reassured me, it was his approach to foreign policy. I mean, he he had the testicular fortitude to stand on stage in South Carolina and to a, an audience of Jeb Bush supporters and to Jeb Bush standing on stage, look at him in the eye and say, your brother got us into one of, if not the worst mistakes militarily that the United States has ever been in, has sent thousands of, of young men and women overseas to die for a pointless war over a lie. It's wrong and it needs to stop and we need to stop doing these stupid, pointless foreign interventions. And I I got like this kind of like breath of fresh air. I'm like, oh my God, that he's saying the, the quiet part out loud on national television in front of an audience. I mean, it's kind of like when Ron Paul said that to Giuliani post 9-11, like America's mayor, you know, he's on stage and he's like, this is a stupid war. And like the crowd boos, but he stood firm because he knew what he was saying is right. And that's where I was like, Trump's got this. And then I look at what he's done and I'm like, mm. so to your, your main question, Bird, do I think she is actually the best choice? <sighs> I would, you know what? How about this? Can I, can I give you a middle ground and say, how about a Trump Tulsi ticket? Ooh. Well, no, because then, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 no, because then you just have Trump because he's healthy enough to kick for four more years. Unless the comic gets him. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But then, I, but yeah, that's true. And he might have coronavirus. I saw that circulating around. Oh, with the CSAT guy? Yeah. He's got a little bit too, I don't know. He's probably got a lot going on inside of him that would kill any virus. <laughs> you know what's funny though? And, and this is something that I did not know. Did you know Trump, he never has had a drink of alcohol? No, I didn't mean yeah. like that. Yeah, he's he hasn't had anything, right? He hasn't yeah, had anything. His brother, so his brother was a raging anything. alcoholic, and um, he oh, watched Jesus. as his brother. Yeah, his, his brother died from his alcoholism, and he watched like it destroy his brother. And he was like, I think it's Fred Fred Trump, and he he was like, I I can't I can't do that. And he's never to to what he says, he's never had a drink of alcohol, or he's never done any um any you know illegal or illicit substances. So <laughs> I ask you again, Brian. Is he fit to be president? I agree. Is, <laughs> is Trump really or like is Biden? If you, if you <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I think I, ultimately, okay, we could throw Pence out, throw Pence out, and then we all, nobody really wants Biden. You throw Biden out, and it really is a contest between Donald Trump's status quo and potentially Tulsi Gabbard's uh, positives over her negatives. Right? I, I, it's ultimately the the what you have to weigh if you were going to do that little mental game. Um, well, because me, I me, guess the, before you play your game, before you play your game, may I just make one observation? And that is yeah. that Tulsi Gabbard, what's her biggest issue? War. And what will the deep right. state 100% go against any president from doing? Trying to stop the foreign intervention. So I can almost guarantee they will treat her the with, with not uh, with, with as much, if not more ferocity than they they've treated Trump because she actually cares about this stuff. Like Trump, at I, least I, gave I would lip like, service. I, I was going to say I would like a a, a pre, because to me the president, I don't I don't care about politics. You know, Brian, I I like in a real fundamental sense, I don't care about them. I don't think that that ultimately they 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 that politics pursues the goals that I would like to pursue. But what I do see the president as is a culture influencer, and in 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 the highest sense. An appealing president, and I know Tulsi really is not an appealing president to most Americans, so this is, again, this only goes so far, but um, a, a president who is just speaking on that issue constantly, especially 
if in, in this case she is the president and is opposed by Congress, she'll be speaking about it more and more and more. And as the highest culture influencer in the land, at least in a political sense, uh, I would prefer my president be talking constantly about that issue because I don't know. When most people approach politics, they approach it from like a, te- a televised lens. You know what I mean? They 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 watch it uh, as as if it is a sport. Exactly, as if it is a sport, and so they consume it a lot more than they contribute to it. And in, so, if you view it from that perspective, I don't care about how many voters there are. I care about how many listeners there are. That's what matters to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe later we go for the strategy of actually enacting the things that we listen to. But you, do you know what I mean? So yeah. that's why I think I would prioritize her. Because to me, the message is far more important than what's actually getting done. Like you said, she'll be opposed by the deep state, but they can't shut her up unless they literally try to shut her up, which maybe that's happened before. But, you know, I would still rather count on on uh, constant chatter from mm-hmm. an opposed president. You know what I mean? And, and we're in an era now where it's it's honestly it's impossible because we've seen stranger things happen. And definitely the media has been you know facilitating a lot of that the narratives that are promoted. But you know, we're in an era now where it's it's much more difficult, shall we say, for the 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 behind the scenes players to get away with what they used to get away with so That's so right. you know so easily because of the fact that we have technology like Twitter and Facebook and I mean hell, let's just even say you know texting, which did not exist like you know back in the the Kennedy days. So like That's little right. things like right. this that that gives us the ability to communicate so much quicker. I mean, my day job's in telecom, so like I'm you know the the stuff that's being worked on behind the scenes by the engineers in, in like telecom for the future. Like some of that stuff is wild. Just thinking about and and some of the trains I've already gone th- through about like what five G will do. It's so mm. cool because there are so many things that are gonna be coming down the line that we can't even begin to think of because it is so advanced relative to what we experience now. It's like imagine. You know, back in 1990, you know, let's make it, you know, more age appropriate. I'll say like 2000, we were all, you know, in our our younger days and, you know, we we were just starting to learn about the internet. And if we were to say to you when you were that young, like you're going to be able to have at home up to one gigabyte of data that you can use to get on the internet. Like we would be, we would be so confused because that's just so out of our, you know, ability to comprehend because we had nothing really to compare it to. But even though we like we you know we had a couple what kilobytes of data that you'd get on your your landline, like you 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 couldn't really put it in perspective why you would even need to have that much bandwidth. So you know to to move it a, a step forward to what you know, my main point was is that where we are today relative to where we'll be four years from now, even it's going to be a completely different world. And in mm-hmm. in terms of how we communicate, but also you know the the means that are going to be put in place to try to stop us from communicating and the market responding to that. And we see that with encryption and blockchain technology. And and it's it's exciting to know that there are people out there who are doing this you know this this work to help us be more prepared for you know whenever the government inevitably tries to infringe on our freedoms. Um, but I dare say we are putting ourselves now going forward into you know the the election cycles of the future in a better spot because we'll still be able to have the the channels of communication. But I think it's important that we stay vigilant and we stay aware of what is happening because I mean, heck, I, I have three strikes on my Facebook page because I've been flagged for quote unquote like a, a questionable content. I mean, one of them was the meme with the guy in the Spider Man costume at the like the bulletin board, and it was like. Uh, the government would really hate it if I put this link to um, a downloadable AR-15, um, you know, uh, print file. <laughs> and they yeah, flagged, yeah. and I got flagged for a month on that. And I got a, another notification. They flagged it twice for some reason. Um, and I got another notification that like I was at risk for being unpublished. And it's like, okay, like that's that's 
definitely something that is concerning. So I think we need to be more focused, and I say we as those in the liberty movement, about supporting and or or if not supporting, you know, trying to find those alternatives that are going to meet the needs of the future. Yep, I agree with you. I definitely agree with you. And especially considering we live in as post-political a world as we're starting to live in, um, winning small battles on the ground is, a, is, is of great importance. Um, somebody, somebody needs to be collecting those CAD files, by the way. I hope a lot of people, I know there's a lot of archivists who probably are, but, uh, uh, the network needs to be established kind of outside of the state anyway. Things like this need to be, start being removed from any sort of touch by the state. You will be, t- what, what's interesting, Brian, that I've been thinking about is the idea that one day we're going to be having conversations about how we need to free the internet. Yep. Because the internet is getting to the point now. It was free in the beginning. It was a wild, wild west not long ago. I think y'all remember probably 2008, 2009 when the internet was still young and fresh and absolutely out of control. And now all the companies are starting to have their grip on it and starting starting to uh, um, do what, what inevitably uh, everyone always does is try and shape the world in their way. And we will one day be talking about freeing the internet in whatever way that means, getting away from those people, getting away from those platforms and establishing new communication networks and things like that. So, yeah, it is impossible to predict, uh, but it's going to be an interesting fight that we will have to fight. And I think it's a fight we can win because we have the winning argument here. No, no, no argument otherwise, because it functions, right? Like the whole thing, I remember it was, I don't know if it was Cody Wilson who said it, but one of his uh, good quotes was... um, you know, the battle's kind of won. There's not really a conversation anymore. You have to adapt your way of being to, like, this new reality. And I think that that's sort of going to be the case in a lot of ways. I'm pretty much a fatalist when it comes to technology. Um, it's just going to advance in a given direction anyway. And so we could fight the battles along the way and make sure that we stay ahead of the curve and so we know what's coming. And we do that in crypto and we do that in communication already. And we will continue to do that. So I like being a part of the movement that uh, is ahead when it comes to things like that. Amen. Well, gentlemen, we are at the point of the show where, unfortunately, we have to start wrapping up. So, what I want to do is give you uh, both the uh, the floor to do some final thoughts, some uh, closing statements, if you will. And, uh, of course, please do us a favor and direct folks to where they can find the amazing uh, podcast. I'll be joining, again, in the very near future, the Friends Against Government podcast. So, let's start with you, Carr. Uh, give us some final thoughts there uh, to, to start us off. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I'm going to be watching this coronavirus and specifically how it, uh, it interacts, I'll say, with the elderly political population uh, who, by their very job, uh, to, you know, I, I can work from home. So, uh, you know, I don't really even need to leave the house. I got plenty of food here. and I can just hold up. You're in during an election cycle. A, a politician's job is literally to go out and and, you know, be around as many people as they possibly can. So uh, that'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. Um, that could get like really, really interesting, uh, if they start all, you know, altering plans, but, um, yeah, that's probably about all I have to say, uh, uh, about coronavirus and, and politics in the coming, that's all the I have to say months. about that. That's all I got <laughs> to say about that. Check us out at Friends Against Government. We're available on, I think all of the pod catchers or whatever. I'm a, at car camp it on Twitter. Bird. Uh, at bird Archist. um, don't follow him. Follow me. Uh, I retweet him enough. You won't have to follow him. Um, I do want to plug our, uh, uh, yearly event, Childerberg. Brian, are you coming to Childerberg this year? Are you going to stop by? Uh, uh, cause I'll see you at the LNC, but, uh, well, give me the, give me the deets of it again. Okay. So here's the deets of it. Childerberg dose. 
It's going to be hosted at Emma Long Metropolitan Park in Austin, Texas on Saturday, the 23rd of May, 2020, until Tuesday, the 26th of May, 2020. Uh, it does coincide with the LNC. In fact, I believe at least there's one day of direct overlap. So uh, uh, we will be chilling in the park, hanging out, doing some camping, come by, drink. You don't have to camp with us, but we do recommend you come and hang out for a little while. So really quick before I let you wrap up, um, I don't know yet because I, so I'm like I mentioned before, I'm the chapter leader for AFF Philly and our, our annual um, retreat is actually the following weekend. Um, it's like a Friday, Ooh. Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. So I got to figure out, and actually I don't know where it's going to be this year. Um, so I got to figure out travel plans for that first. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stay, say I'm, I'm TBD right now, but uh, I'll definitely keep you guys in the loop. Cool. Well, TBD, and then everybody listening, if you want to hook up with uh, some fellow weirdos, um, you know, come to the uh, uh, come to Childerberg, uh, sign up, and uh, and if not, honestly, you don't even have to sign up. You can just come, have a beer, and leave when you're ready. Yeah, like, nobody, you know, it's, we're it's expecting like a we're expecting a bunch of people to swing through during the day. Just grab a beer. We're gonna have we're, we should have a lot of beer um, and, and and plenty of probably wine and maybe some liquor. Uh, so swing by, swing by the park and come hang out with us during the day or go to childerberg.com to register for a campsite. It's free. Um, just, we just need to make sure that we've got enough space. You, you even got a website for it. I'm, I'm so impressed. Like my, my marketing and sales brain right now, it, it just like, it got so happy. Cause that, that's, yeah, that's, that's dedication. All, really shout out. This is all Jacob from tasting. I was going to say, not shout out, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Jacob from Tasting Anarchy. Jacob Lindsay from Tasting Anarchy put it all together. He put the website together. And apparently he managed to, I just Googled Childerberg. He managed to, you know, on the side, when you do Google on the side, uh, the little event bar sometimes comes up whenever there's something of note. Well, I guess he managed to put an event bar up there for us. So I guess we're, we're on the official uh, uh, Google timeline, which That's is pretty fun. great. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right, gents. So uh, we'll we'll finish here. Where can folks go ahead and follow you on, over on social media if they are interested in following the great burden car from Friends Against Government? Car camp it on Twitter, and that's it for me. Bird Archist on Twitter. And I'll make sure I include not only the link to both of your Twitters, but also the link to the Friends Against Government podcast Twitter account. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, it's at Fagcast, right? It Correct. sure is, and uh, and on that and on that note, uh, all listeners, you better get in while you can, because we got some interesting things coming in the latter half of this mm-hmm. year. I will say mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm. Oh well. Mm. Uh, well, now I'm curious, and I'm going to have to ask you off the air. But mm. I digress. Well, guys, it's been a blast having the show, and uh, definitely looking forward to my appearance on your show come up here in the next uh, in the next few weeks. But uh, with that, thank you so much, and uh, looking forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Brian. All right, folks. So that's going to wrap up my conversation with easily two of my favorite people in uh, the great car and bird from Friends Against Government. Now, if you guys want to go ahead and uh, number one, follow them on social media, I will be insured. Uh, I will be insured. I will be sure rather to uh, to include um, their links to their social media in the show notes, as well as where you can find their illustrative podcast, the Friends Against Government podcast. They are two uh, very smart, very fun guys, and uh, definitely looking forward to joining them as I head over to the uh, the Friends Against Government podcast next week. Uh, now, in store for you guys next week here on The Brian Eccles Show, and I do need to apologize to uh, our, our, our guest next week because she was supposed to air this week, um, but with the coronavirus happening and just kind of everything in the world going wild and crazy, I thought, you know, we need to focus what's happening right now. Um, so, the the LP presidential candidate, Serene Ardilianu, she uh, joined the show, and uh, we had a fantastic conversation, so that'll be airing next Friday, so be sure to tune in then, and you really get to hear a new perspective and a very 
very different perspective than one that's being promoted by the rest of the libertarian candidates out there, and that is one of love, um, and definitely something that we need to hear in a time like this. So guys, with that being said, you know the drill. Social media, you can find me on Twitter and on Facebook at B Nichols Liberty, um, and you can go ahead and uh, if, if you guys would like, send me an email. It's Brian at Brian Nichols Show. Um, any email is nice. You know what you thought about the show. If you have any comments suggestions, questions, uh, or if you have uh, any guests that you're looking to schedule, for those of you out there who are, uh, you know, uh, in the, the PR world, um, I'm yeah, Brian at Brian Nichols Show. Send me an email. More than happy to uh, to get your guests on. Um, so again, Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com. And one final ask, folks, and that is if you have not yet, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. I, th- I think probably in the next couple episodes or so, I'm going to do uh, one of those uh, review uh, reads. So if-, if you haven't yet, sneak over to Apple Podcasts, five stars, rating, and review. So guys, it's been a blast, and I hope you guys had as much fun as I did. So do me a favor, make sure you guys come back next week. Serene Arleanonu, it's a great podcast, but... With that being said, folks, it's Brian Nichols here signing off for the great car and bird from Friends Against Government. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.